Support for this podcast is brought to you by Darlene Sweaters. Made in America's heartland and hand-knitted by Darlene herself, Darlene Sweaters are stitched together with love and with zero regard to color scheme. Darlene Sweaters will set you apart in a crowd with their brown, yellow, orange, and green yarns. Darlene Sweaters. They may call it ugly, but we call it unique. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell them that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome to another episode of Tis the Podcast, a podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days per year. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. And I'm Tom. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing good. Although I do miss Tom saying, and I'm Tom. (laughs) (laughs) I have a little less pep in my step. I uh, flew into Boston early this morning and had meetings all day. I had to stay home as long as I could for Halloween. Did you guys have a good Halloween? It was a good Halloween. My Halloween night was spent decorating my apartment for Christmas. That's like the best Halloween ever. It was the best Halloween ever. <laughs> and it's November 6th, guys. So we're that much closer to Christmas. Woo! <laughs> so I'm really excited about today's movie because it's not to give it away, but it's one of my personal favorites. And that is Disney's The Santa Claus starring Tim Allen. That's three Disney movies in a, in a row. Oh, oh it yeah. is. Sure is. Disney, if you would like to pay for us to advertise, we're open to that. Or if you'd like to give us free trips to Disney World. Even better. We could record our podcasts and maybe do video segments from there. That's a great idea. You can give us a segment on the Christmas Day Parade. That would be awesome. You can give us pretty much anything and we will take it. And we'll, take, we'll take some Disney socks. I mean, we're not picky, guys. <laughs> <laughs> So, Tom, how about giving us a plot synopsis? When divorcee Scott Calvin inadvertently kills Santa Claus on Christmas Eve, he is convinced by his son Charlie to put on the man's famous suit and deliver the rest of the gifts this year. At the end of the night, upon being taken by the reindeer to the North Pole, Scott finds out that by putting on the suit, he triggered the Santa Claus, which means that he will be the new Santa. After being told by the elves that he has until Thanksgiving to get his affairs in order and return to the North Pole, he and Charlie are sent back home. Scott is convinced the entire ordeal is a dream until he begins inexplicably putting on weight, growing a full beard overnight, prematurely goes gray, develops a sudden love for junk food, and instinctively knows if passerbys have been naughty or nice. All of this is further complicated by Scott's desire not to disappoint his son. He seems to love him more than ever since spending the night at the North Pole and unwaveringly believes that his father is the new Santa Claus. At the same time, he must try to keep it all a secret from his ex-wife, Laura, and her new husband, Neil, who are convinced that Scott is emotionally damaging Charlie's psyche by reaffirming what they believe to be the boy's delusions that his dad is the big man in red. Can Scott embrace his new role as Santa Claus before next Christmas Eve so he doesn't disappoint millions of children around the world who are expecting him to slide down their chimney that night? 
So let's start, as we always do, with our histories with this movie, which I know is Julia's favorite part. So, Julia, why don't you start? Um, this is the first one that I have seen in the movie theaters, guys, that we've done so far. Um, I actually saw this movie in the movie theater in Houston with my family from the moment that Disney, the the choppy horizontal line Disney castle comes on the screen and the music starts. It had me. So I love this movie and, um, and I'm really excited. I finally have a movie theater experience. What about you, Tom? I did not see this movie in the theaters, but I did see it um, the after it came out on VHS, which was after Christmas. We rented it and watched it. And uh, even though the fact I was uh, burgeoning on my teenage years um, when I should have thought I was too cool for a movie like this, it was after Christmas. I still absolutely, absolutely loved it. It was so much fun as a kid to see this and to get um, a first real Santa backstory for a kid. It was just really fun to watch. Well, I shouldn't say first, but uh, my first live action backstory I'd ever seen as a kid. The only other one I'd ever seen was uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. But there was just something kind of cool to, wa- uh, to watching this. You know, I'll stop there and pass it on to Anthony so we have something to talk about later. Quick question, Tom. You said this is the first live action one you ever saw? You never saw Santa Claus the movie? Not as a child. This was my no. first. Yeah, well, this was my first too, but that's because I was five when this came out. And I always have to throw my age in there just to get the dirty looks from Tom, who's not on camera tonight, and Julia, who is on camera tonight. I gave zero dirty looks. Did you notice that? I'm more mature than you are because I'm much older. You gave the very suppressed smile and head nod. So out of all- an improvement. (laughs) We'll we'll get there. (laughs) By Christmas week, you won't uh, make any face at all. That's right. (laughs) Okay, so out of all the Christmas movies we've done so far, this is probably the most influential on me as a child, just because I was five years old. You know, I thought the perfect age for it to make an impression on me. Because this movie does, like, answers a lot of the questions about Santa Claus that a lot of children have. Like, how does he get into homes without any chimney? How does he fit all the presents in his sleigh? And all those just questions every child asks that parents for some reason, always have different answers for. And this movie just laid out um, all those answers, and I loved it. I found it hilarious. I loved Tim Allen at the time because, I i mean, I was five, but I liked Home Improvement. I found it funny. I probably didn't understand much of it, but I found him funny. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, so I saw this movie in theaters with my parents, and uh, ever since then, it's become part of my Christmas canon, yearly Christmas canon, we got it on VHS and I had watched it so many times the box was all torn and ripped up and it's one of those rare movies that I replaced. Well, I replaced it on DVD and then I replaced it again on Blu-ray just because I wanted like the newest, best high definition copy of it because I love it so much. <laughs> but um, yeah, and still to this day, I love it because as I got older and watched it more, I started appreciating different things about it than when I was a child. Like, the whole idea of, uh, you know, the power of belief and this blended family and things like that. And I'll stop there before giving away much, much more. How about we just dive into it? Because I think we're all eager to talk about it. This film came out on November 11th, 1994. and was directed by John Pasquin, who has a history with Tim Allen. He directed Jungle to Jungle and... 
39 episodes of Home Improvement and 70 episodes of Tim Allen's newest show, Last Man Standing. So I guess the two of them really like to work together. Jungle the Jungle was awful. I was a big <laughs> Home Improvement fan. I love Home Improvement. Um, <laughs> and I love Last Man Standing. That show is hilarious. Yep. I'm a big fan. And it kind of goes with the whole Tim Allen strength, right? Kind of the quirky family. And he, I just think he plays a really good dad because I think he plays a very genuine dad. So big fan of the last two on that list, not the first one. I'm going to say I like Jungle to Jungle, but I like all three of them. I like, I like oh, Home Improvement, well. Last Man Standing, and Jungle to Jungle. Oh, I was just going to say I've never seen Last Man Standing. It's so funny. It really, really? is. I really love it. Mm-hmm. It's a really good show. So um, the movie was written by Leo Benvenuti and Steve Rugnick, who I guess are a writing team, because they, besides the Santa Claus, they also wrote its two sequels, which we're going to try not to talk about tonight, because we're going to judge this movie on its own merit without comparing it to what follows. And they also wrote Space Jam. With Michael Jordan? With Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny. So since we can't talk about the two sequels, what did you guys think of Space Jam? Um, it was awesome. <laughs> I loved it. Really? As really? I, yes. I haven't yes. seen it as an adult. Not a Space Jam fan. Even as a didn't children? Didn't like it then. No. I didn't like it. Well, you'll be happy to know a sequel is on its way. Oh, yeah. I'm super excited about that. <laughs> is it going to have LeBron? <laughs> it should have LeBron. I, I think that's who they want for it, yeah. Yay. As long as it doesn't have Kevin Durant. <laughs> Amen. Because I will pay people to not watch that movie if it has Kevin Durant in it. For those listeners, Tom and I are Thunder fans. And to be a Thunder fan means to be a Russell Westbrook fan and to not be a Kevin Durant fan. So what did you guys think of the plot overall? Because it's kind of a, at the same time, familiar plot, but also unique. Because it's familiar in the sense it's about a guy who's... I won't say he's not the biggest fan of Christmas, but he's definitely lacking a little bit of Christmas cheer and comes to embrace the holiday by the end. But at the same time, it's unique in that we've never really seen, um, you know, there are tons of origins of Santa Claus out there, normally in animation, but you've never seen one where Santa Claus is such a um, kind of like a workaholic, cynical, kind of divorcee, bitter type guy who learned to you know, become a family man, jolly fellow like that. So yeah, I just want to know what you guys think of the plot overall. I really, I thought it was a really unique plot and I still do, honestly. To this day, I still think it's really unique. You know, I don't know of any other Santa Christmas movie that discusses how to become Santa in this way. Like Arthur Christmas, it was familial. And so I thought their take on it this one in particular was really interesting. I think the whole thing's unique. I love the I love that it's not a dysfunctional family necessarily. It's a blended family, like you mentioned, and that they deal with believing in the way that they do. So it's a very unique movie. So and I was struck by that when I first saw it. So you didn't think it was a dysfunctional blended family? I, I, I mean, that, that was my point of contention too. I would say it's Yeah, it is, but like not, I don't know. When I think of the dysfunctional families we've talked about in the past, it's everybody sitting down at a table and eating. They don't do that in this movie. It's a little bit different, but... Uh, they sit at Denny's and have a nice Christmas Eve meal. Not all of them. <laughs> have you, not have you guys, all of them. Have y'all ever done that? No. Denny's? Had a holiday dinner at Denny's? 
No. no. And I even have to note down that it looks like the most depressing thing in the world. Yeah. Guys, I'm going to tell you right now, that scene that they had there made it look good. There was one Thanksgiving where I wasn't able to make it home uh, for the holidays, and I was going to spend, uh, it was the first uh, year Christine and I were dating, and I was going to spend Thanksgiving with her family since I wasn't able to go home, and she got really sick, and I didn't want to catch her funk, so I went and had Thanksgiving dinner at Denny's. And I don't know that I've ever been in a more depressing situation in my entire life, and I'm not being hyperbolic in any way. It is that bad. Oh, that's so sad. Oh. It is. It is. I had a Thanksgiving at Black IP once, but that was with my brother when I visited him in college, and that wasn't depressing. You weren't by so yourself, though. Thing. Oh yeah, that's true. I I went four years without Thanksgiving because they don't celebrate in England. Oh, so, well, one year I threw one and I had like 20 people show up because they wanted to experience American Thanksgiving. So that was fun. You mean Brexit? <laughs> Brexit 1776. <laughs> we, were exiting Bri- we were exiting Britain before it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, the plot is very unique because like you said, we've never seen Santa become Santa this way before. It was a really truly unique depiction. You mean so by... By trickery and what that, I'm sure would not hold up in a legal in a in a, any legal court system. That's exactly what I was about to say. That was entrapment, right? Like that is no way that would hold up. No. No, it was entrapment. I don't know. He was it's at best it's hardcore trickery. And I would like to think and believe somewhere in my heart that the North Pole is above playing games like that, but I guess I'm wrong. You are wrong, because he got conned into putting on the jacket, and then the reindeer kidnapped him and brought him up north. It's almost Grand Theft Santa. (laughs) (laughs) And can I just say about the North Pole, too? Not one elf seemed upset that Santa Claus died and this new guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can't say I blame him. Did you see the new guy? I mean, it looked like he had a dollar store beard on. I don't know why he <laughs> looks so terrible, but in just a short time, you know, a few a matter of a few weeks, Scott Calvin looks more like Santa than the the than the drunken mall Santa looking guy on top of the roof. That's exactly what he looked like. He looked like he was some con man trying to break into a house pretending to be Santa Claus. <laughs> he did. Oh, I'm. I was so worried you're gonna you were gonna be offended by me throwing a little shade at your favorite. Christmas movie, Anthony. I was actually not going to bring that stuff up, to be honest. I'm doing a whole episode that doesn't involve uh, uh, trolling Anthony. It's a Christmas miracle! (laughs) I don't mind ripping on my favorite movies. I did that for an hour and a half with Hocus Pocus. Yeah. Which, if you've not subscribed to our Patreon, if you're not one of the two people who have subscribed as of today, you haven't heard that yet. No, but it's a great episode, so you should. It is great. So in terms of looking and feeling like a Christmas movie, this film nailed it. Off the charts. Looking, feeling, and sounding. And sounding. Absolutely. I love the soundtrack to this movie. I really do. Every scene was on point. The Christmas party, you know, that Scott Calvin was, where where Scott Calvin was instead of being with his son. Um, That felt like a... Another, the second film we've done where uh, there's a Christmas party on Christmas Eve. Yes. yes. I thought about that when I was watching it because I don't remember who it was brought it up when we were watching Die Hard that this one had it too. But yeah. Oh, I was going to say from that to going to Scott Calvin's house and seeing this 
sad attempt of a single man to to decorate for Christmas. The effort was there, but it was it was not quite on point. But then when we get to the North Pole and see the North Pole, um, not just in, inside the workshop and stuff, but the, the entire village, it was amazing. And was this the first film in which the North Pole was depicted as being underground? What was Santa Claus the movie? Where was the North Pole? I think one? it was in Santa Claus the movie too, wasn't it? It was under that dome. Oh, right. Okay, you're right. But this is definitely one of the first ones. Maybe not the first. Because now I feel like it's pretty common. You know, it's got to be. They've got to have, especially with, with Google Earth, we have, to, we have to delve a little bit deeper into the actual location of where the North Pole is, where before we could just take for, exam- take for granted that it's just there. I mean, they could be like Hogwarts and just have the whole place bewitched so people can't see it. <laughs> and there's your Harry Potter reference to the episode. <laughs> yes! <laughs> the North Pole, though, and just like... Just a little details, like the fact that they got children to play these centuries-old elves. I don't know. I'm a sucker for little kids acting older than they actually are, so all the elf yeah. stuff made me laugh yeah. a lot. And I loved that the elves were beautiful, and you know what I mean? And just sparkly. so pretty and not kind of creepy, you know? Like like Arthur Christmas elves, where you're kind of like, man, it's a little, I don't know, and... Polar Express elves were a little creepy. I'm glad that they're non-creepy elves. And they made a point of calling that out halfway through the movie when he's in that boardroom meeting. And he's yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes. <laughs> that was awesome. That was awesome. That was awesome. Where they're, where they're mm-hmm. looking at the, uh, the drawing of Santa coming in in a tank. <laughs> and he talks about the elves looking too old. Yeah, saying they need sparkles. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I also really liked the reindeer. The look of the reindeer. I didn't think they looked that fake, honestly. So I had the exact opposite note down. I thought really? that, that time has not done well for the special effects they did for the reindeer faces. I think it adds to their... I, I don't know. There are some shots they look real. I feel like the... Um, when they're not talking or making eye contact or doing anything like that, I can agree. It's just like when, when they're trying to communicate, it gets a little... I was going to say time did not do well with the reindeer flying because they weren't like moving their no. legs. Or so that was <laughs> my, uh, my note about the reindeer. But otherwise, I liked the look of the reindeer. And maybe, maybe you're right. I mean, they're not like photorealistic looking reindeer, but I think that that adds to the magic. It's a Disney movie. Yeah, it is. I don't think I don't think my I don't think our kids are going to look at it and even notice that. Mm-mm. And did you guys notice the nice touch that elves are scattered through all throughout this movie in the real world too? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was it fun. Does. It's always fun watching to try to point them, pick them out in the background. Which thank, uh, thank God none of them were on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> I have an elf on the shelf. Well, I do too. His name's Buddy. Mine is Zach Elfrond. Zach Elfrond. <laughs> <laughs> I have a moral opposition to Elf on the Shelf. What about Krampus on the shelf? I'm perfectly fine with Krampus on the shelf. <laughs> um, but He's yeah, the fact... back to Santa, who already sees everything. I think that's the point of the elves being out in the real world in this movie. I think you're supposed to think that they were reporting back to Santa. Well, I do. Because they, they weren't there to like spy on Scott, because they were at the beginning before Scott knocked off the other Santa. <laughs> And can I just say about that initial scene as well, when Santa falls off the roof, this is before Scott really believed anything at all. 
and he was completely cool headed that he may have just killed a man. <laughs> like, he did not call for help at no. any point. He did not dial 911. In fact, he was cracking jokes because he was like, he's naked somewhere when it was just <laughs> down on the ground. <laughs> That's one of my favorite quotes from this entire movie. Because doesn't Charlie say something like, he disappeared? And he goes, he's naked somewhere? <laughs> oh gosh i love tim allen i have for the record i have a lot of quotes through this movie when we get to that part Mm -hmm. because tim allen is so funny yeah Mm -hmm. tim allen did a really good job in this film Mm -hmm. that's and that's a perfect segue into let's talk about the characters starting with scott calvin slash santa claus as played by tim allen Fun fact about Tim Allen, the week this opened in movie theaters, he had the number one show in the country, the number one best-selling book in the country, and the number one movie in the country. Was so it Don't Stand Too Close to a Naked Man? I think that, I that was his big, big, big one, right? I think that was his big book, right? But he was on the top of his game this year, I guess. Also, it opened a week or two before Miracle on 34th Street. Oh, same year? Same year. So good year for Christmas that. movies. Yeah, it was. That was particularly oh. good Santas. Mm-hmm. So he was the fourth choice for this role. Really? Bill Murray was offered it, but he turned it down because he didn't think it would suit his sense of humor. He's right. Chevy Chase was offered it, but they couldn't work out scheduling with another film he was shooting at the time. Good idea. And they never approached him, but they did want to approach Harrison Ford. And I can't even imagine Harrison Ford playing Santa Claus. Let's trade Comet out. <laughs> for a Wookiee and we're sold <laughs> so I, I, my audio broke up there for a second who did you say the first choice was Bill Murray no yeah all of those would have been very disingenuous because that this came after after Scrooged and National Lampoons Lampoon. so how could you ever take those two iconic characters in Christmas movies and put them in a Santa role I, I totally no. agree. I feel like it's hard to come up with an iconic holiday Christmas movie in general. That if yeah. you strike gold with the success, whoever stars in that film, you're pretty much, in my mind, off limits to star in a future. Exactly. You, know, you drop it and walk away. You know, um, there's still a part of me that when I was, when I was a, um, a little older and I went back to watch this one year and I hadn't thought about it, I, I had seen, you know, I'd gone back and... and I downloaded a few um, home improvements when I was in college. And then I thought, man, I just can't see Tim Allen as, as the Santa Claus. It just doesn't seem like it's going to work for me anymore. Um, but he did a great job. I don't know that people really expected him to. So um, hmm. I agree. I don't think they, I don't know if people expected him to either. I mean, if, I, if you just look at the other stuff he does and you, you take, a, take this movie out of, the, out of the, the mix, he doesn't seem like Santa at all. Mm-mm, no, but he did such a good job. So I can't say, you know, well, except for Harrison Ford, I'm going to say it would not be a good Santa. And I can't see Bill Murray doing it. Chevy Chase, if it weren't for National Lampoons, I really think he could pull off Santa in this role. No, I think that's what I think. I think Tim Allen not being able to be placed into a Santa role when we look at it makes him so successful in this role because it is Accurate. all about the evolution of a non-Santa guy into a Santa. And he's very different scott calvin versus santa i mean he has huge character growth there it's not just physical it's everything well and, and I, love- I just don't see that character growth in chevy chase okay I and, agree. They, and they accentuate that character growth in the simplest way with that little girl he visits on christmas eve when he first becomes santa the soy milk. and then his first yeah 
He, he, he just wants to shut her up, so he says, I'm lactose intolerant. Mm-hmm. And then when he comes back the next year, fully Santa Claus, he's like, I think your milk's a little sour. You said you were, you said you were lactose intolerant. <laughs> I did say that, didn't I? <laughs> oh, God, that made me laugh so hard. <laughs> so one of the things I really like about Scott is that even though he's at the beginning, kind of like the antithesis of Santa, like you can't see somebody like him becoming Santa. He doesn't begrudge like Charlie believing in Santa Claus. He actually gets really annoyed when Charlie comes to his house and said, Neil said there's no Santa. And like, Mm -hmm. he kind of goes off on his wife, ex-wife Laura at that moment. Like who told you it was okay to ruin that belief basically. Mm -hmm. So I really like that. You know, he has a lot of flaws at the beginning, but he is a good father. Sort of. Sort of. He is a, I mean, he's still a workaholic. He's trying. Charlie, he's trying. well, I don't know that he is. Charlie didn't really want to go see him. He was really late. He was at a, I mean, we see him at the beginning. He's at a party. Not good father material. And I think that's one of the things we see through this, though, is, is he's not a good father. But we see him grow into one just as he grows into Santa. He, he, he's very, and it's, it's something that, that Laura alludes to, he's very selfish. Uh, right. At the beginning of this, and even when it comes to his son, it's not his priority. Um, we Wasn't see- the beginning of this movie exactly the same as the, be- the beginning of Jingle All the Way? Arnold Schwarzenegger's working late at his office. He's supposed yeah. to go to his son's karate thing. Yeah. Makes up an excuse, you know. He calls when he's stuck in traffic. Yeah, I think it's like almost yeah. exactly the same in a lot of ways. It's the beginning of Hook, too. It is. I love that movie. So do I. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know what's with dads and Christmas movies, but nineties <laughs> Christmas are there any, movies. Are there any mom Christmas movies where the mom is a real deadbeat and then snaps to it? I'm sure there has to be. I'm sure oh. somewhere as as we cover more movies, we'll <laughs> find that one. Interesting. I really appreciated when it comes to Scott as well, that uh the just the writing that after he has this magical experience at the North Pole, he doesn't immediately change. Like, there is a lot of reluctance there, and it almost takes him the full calendar year to finally realize, okay, this is real. I can't stop it. I'm Santa Claus. The whole dream thing, as he's, as he's like, oh, this was, that was all just a dream, still never really come to a good idea of how he rationalized the, the, the Santa Claus pajamas. He said Judy gave it to him. That, yeah, that's what he told them. But he didn't, that was in his dream still. You know what I mean? He, he never came to a good answer for it. He alluded to the fact that it was the woman at Denny, the random waitress at Denny's gave them to him. But let's, let's be honest. I've never gone to Denny's and gotten free pajamas. But see, but see I think that's, I think the movie intended like. Right. We were supposed pur- to follow. Purposefully named her Judy. Yeah. So, you know, we were supposed to kind of believe Scott was doubting his whole experience. But that's what I mean. I don't think I could doubt that. If I woke up and I had the pajamas, I don't know. It's yeah. like it's it's like the spinner. Is the spinner still spinning, or did it did it fall over? Are we in Inception? Are we not? You know, there's there's a definite tie to reality there. Those pajamas look so comfortable, by the way. <laughs> I don't think I can do silk. That just feels creepy to me. When he, I like when he's uh. Usually I sleep naked, buck naked. <laughs> As that woman walks by with her daughter. <laughs> and then he's like, "Hi, Miss Anderson, or whatever." And he's like, I love that. <laughs> yeah he's like hi miss henderson and then he as he starts going up the stairs sometimes boxers 
<laughs> like he's trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> but a huge part of Scott's character I like is his relationship with Charlie. I really like the Charlie character. Mm-hmm. And that Charlie really is the one who changes Scott and gets him to believe in the end. Mm-hmm. And I just find that relationship really beautiful. And the kid who played Charlie was really super cute. Yeah, and he did a great job. He did. He's very genuine and earnest. I really liked him. He did have a very innocent air about him. Like when they get to the North Pole and they're just sitting there in the frozen tundra and he's like, are you mad? (laughs) 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 The character of Charlie, I think, you know, it's his whole arc was not only coming to believe in Santa again, but believing in his dad again. And I thought they Mm -hmm. really drew that parallel between the two really nicely. They They really did. Yeah, I loved seeing them grow close again. Um, well, I say again, cause just because I assume they were close at one point. But yeah, I loved seeing them bond through that whole experience. And, and I love how they pull the mom in too later. And Neil eventually as well to yeah. kind of reconnect. I, I love Neil. <laughs> I love Neil. And I like Laura too. And I mm-hmm. like that you they, were, they weren't villainized in the movie. Like, oh, these are the jerks trying to keep charlie away from his dad no like they have legitimate concerns for their son they do and yeah. even when uh when they're talking about taking visitation away from scott um, you can tell laura's really troubled and neil's trying to do it for all the right reasons mm-hmm. yeah i like that neil didn't become that character of the evil stepdad he really was yeah. like he really cared for charlie he, I, he, he tried with scott too like, I like the fact it? that Scott never tried with him and was just cynical and snarky <laughs> as can be. Uh, when we get to when we get to one-liners, I think a lot of a lot of my favorite lines are uh, Scott's lines directed towards Neil. <laughs> but an example of of Neil trying with Scott is when they show up at the soccer game and he's listening to all the kids, like, and he's fat and dressed in red and has the beard. Neil is just mesmerized. He's like, I think it's safe. You're taking this delusion to a whole new level. <laughs> yeah, his Here's eyes. My oh my gosh. <laughs> he did the looks. So that's Judge Reinhold, right? Yeah. The looks on his face and what he can do with his eyes in a scene is just so funny. I love just you. that innocent dopish quality oh gosh i love it i love so judge reinhold. I, my favorite role of his though is uh when he played judge judge reinhold on uh, rest of the rest of development <laughs> <laughs> i like how in that they have to keep keep reminding people that he's not a real judge it's just his name <laughs> for those of you who haven't yet arrested development much must watch tv yeah by far put it on my list it needs to be like number one on your list like i would stop whatever it is that you're watching to watch arrested development oh yeah so i wanted to ask you guys a question in all of these movies live action movies more so than the animated ones this applies to laura and neil which i'm bringing up like there are always these adults who don't necessarily believe in santa claus and, uh, you know, in this movie, they're flat out telling Charlie, he's not real. You have to grow up. How come children, real children, don't question that more? Because, because like, Sarah, like I didn't think of anything, anything of it as a kid when I saw it, but I was five. Where Sarah was, is two and a half years older than me, and she said this movie, like, was, made her question, like, start questioning the whole Santa thing. 
You know, I've often wondered that because the parents would know whether or not they're getting their kids gifts. Even, I mean, it was the same thing in Elf. Um, you know, we went through the same thing where none of the parents believed. And, and they addressed that, that, you know, <gasps> that's shocking. <laughs> There's definitely an innocence with kids. And they always bring these movies back around to, he is real. <laughs> you know, they question, they question how real Santa is. And then they end up confirming that he is at the end. They don't just let it hang. This- but yeah, that is interesting, though, that I don't remember when I watched this getting those cues or even dwelling too much on the fact that he was struggling with that, honestly. Hmm. So I don't know what makes it so easy to pass over for kids in this movie. I, it still doesn't bother me in my belief in Santa. Yeah, me either. Me either. That's just curious. It's just something I always wonder when watching films nowadays. But the scene of this movie where the two of them are sitting outside the judge's office talking about when they stop believing Santa, that's such a... <gasps> It was so sad. sad and Neil scene. was three. He the was three. Whistle. He didn't get the a weenie whistle. whistle. Oh. And that's oh, just terrible. I loved that they bring it back at the end and he gets them the gift. The believing. I know. I, do. I love seeing Judge Reinhold just put it up to his lips <laughs> and blow on that weenie whistle <laughs> with, with childlike wonder. He does. And she got the mystery date game. Did you play that game when you were a kid, Julia? I'm going to hit you right now through this screen. I'm going to punch you in your face. How old do you think we are? Exactly. How old do you think I am? But they had versions of it when I was a kid, too. Like, updated versions. I had never seen that when I was a kid. That's not what you meant. I know how old you are. Maybe I thought the game wasn't that old. But then that wouldn't make sense because she was... How old in the movie? Okay, apologize. I didn't do that mm-hmm. math correctly. Mm-hmm. Well, she was she was older than Julia is now when this was. I know. Made, okay, I, I just said I didn't do the math correctly. I'm sorry. Take that hole deeper, there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> he's just he's shoveling right now. Somebody's gonna go on the naughty list. Dear God, this backpack. <laughs> what does he? What does Chandler say? Dear God, this parachute is a backpack. (laughs) 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 Oh, that's But yeah, Scott, Scott's relationship with Neil and Laura, I do like, even at the beginning, the three of them are trying to make some kind of blended family thing work. Well, they're all trying, but Scott... (laughs) They're all trying to, but Scott's the rusty wheel. Right. Which again, there's the growth. Because in there's the end, the growth. he's very willing to. So. Can we talk about the elves? I really like Bernard. I do too. I do too. That tough guy. <laughs> I love Bernard. And he does that whole thing at the beginning. I think we were talking about it with Nightmare Before Christmas last week, where they start counting down immediately after the holiday ends. Mm -hmm. He says, Christmas Day, we only have 365 days to get all this work done. So get back to work or whatever he says. Yeah, Bernard's great. He's so different from all the other elves. He has that New York kind of attitude, which I like. He does. Yeah. I mean, he's a definite whipcracker for sure and sarcastic and... Except like when him. it comes to Charlie. So when there is a kid involved, he turns on the sweet act. He is. He he's, does. He's good. <clears throat> I really like him as an actor, too. He was so much fun in uh, Freaks and Geeks. He was on episode 15 and on Undeclared. Wasn't mm-hmm. he also the, the friend in 10 Things I Hate About You? 
with Heath Ledger and Julia Stiles. Yeah, he was the geek. Suits him. It did suit him. He was, he was Michael Ekman, the geek who assists Cameron in his quest to woo Bianca. So to borrow a phrase from Elf, I really like Elf culture in this movie. Yes. Like I love that they have a squad of elves. It's the ELFS, and they're the team that if Santa gets into trouble on Christmas Eve, they go out to rescue him and bail him out, basically. Yep. And that they use tinsel because the most pointless Christmas decoration, it apparently cuts through steel like nothing or nice. iron. Mm-hmm. I've tried um, that. It doesn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that they have their own cue from James Bond type elf yeah. developing new technology. And his name was Quentin. So I feel like that was a nod <laughs> to James Bond. I just remember that main kid in the ELFS was an over-articulator child actor. Every time I see him, I'm like, that kid's got child actor written all over him. Oh, and the way he talks I didn't is know always it. just kind of like, Oh, I know what's going on. You know, totally uh, overacted. Yeah, but, that's it, man. but I still loved it. It was great. And the other elf, Judy. I really like Judy. Oh, she just she's so for such a young girl too. We talked about you know in other movies, we talked about how bad children child actors were. Mm-hmm. Judy was awesome. Um, yeah. Her her line right there. It's it's uh, uh, one of the best lines from any christmas movie out there it's seeing isn't believing believing is seeing and the way she delivers it she sounds like somebody who is 600 years old or whatever so we have to talk about the quote seeing isn't believing believing is seeing because we had a listener write into us i think on reddit a few weeks back like one of our first episodes that um said when we get to this film we have to talk about that quote because she doesn't understand it or he doesn't understand it and uh, we, they basically wanted us to explain it to them. And in this week's feedback, we also got somebody who said that quote is pointless, that we're trying, it's a movie trying to be deep, and they failed, I believe. So let's talk about that quote, guys. No, they didn't fail at all. This is an amazing quote, and it is so on point for everything Christmas movies are trying to, especially where Santa's involved, they're trying to get us to. It's that we don't need to see something to believe it. We see it because we believe it there's something there that belief has to take you that extra step to actualize i think it exactly and i think it applies to christmas as a whole like in terms of santa and the people who are more religious that whole religious belief you have Mm -hmm. believe it you see it you believe it so i mean that's one of my favorite christmas quotes in our intro i met i call it out on the first episode where it's just talking get to know you christmas type stuff and i love that quote so i don't think this movie failed i think the whole crux of this movie comes back to that quote you know he has to <laughs> see the believing believing seeing and i think charlie mentions it to him toward the end when he throws the snow globe at him to get him to come to his senses well and and, and scott calvin saw everything and still didn't believe it right you know it's just a dream i'm going to dismiss it but once he believes he can actually see who he's supposed to be this line was reused. I mean, it's apparently, obviously it's what we're titled in this episode. We, we've mentioned it before. It's in our intro. It's a line that we like. Um, it's a line that has influenced other Christmas movies, including the Polar Express, uh, where Tom Hanks as the conductor says, seeing is believing, but sometimes the most real things in the world are the things we can't see. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of this, that same seeing, you know, he says seeing is believing, but he's also saying believing is seeing. So it's that same 
sentimentality going or sentiment going into this other movie too with more hobos <laughs> tom tom hanks hobo <laughs> and honestly i don't know how you could hate this this is the second best quote from this entire movie second best and that's the hook for the quote section i guess <laughs> the best quote from this movie is when laura said here's neil's number and scott calvin says 100 spank me yeah i know the number I'm just kidding. That was such a terrible line. And okay, well, since you brought that line up, that was a real number, and Disney edited that out of future showings because kids kept calling it. So when you see it on TV, that number is changed. Is it really? Oh, yeah. Gosh. Because kids kept calling it, so Disney kept hearing complaints from parents, so they changed it. What is it on TV now? Because if you watch it on the internet, it's still. Yeah. There. <laughs> Yeah, and it's yeah. there. It's there. Yeah, I know what it is. Um, I'm not sure what it is. IMDb would be able to tell you that, but let me look. Interesting. Poor, poor kids. <laughs> 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 what aired on most television channels? The number Laura gives Scott to uh, the number that Laura gives to Scott is changed from one eight hundred spank me to one eight hundred pound. Definitely not as funny. No, mm-hmm. but still kind of inappropriate. <laughs> Before I forget to mention it, do you know what I forget every time I watch this movie? And then I'm like, oh, yeah. When he kidnaps Charlie, quote, unquote, he has him for a month. Like, every time I think of that movie, I assume that's Christmas Eve, but that's Thanksgiving, and he's kidnapped him for a month. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's kind a long of... time. That's, that's messed a really up. really long time. And I'm yeah, surprised Laura and Neil are more upset with him, despite everything at the end when he comes back. Yeah. That was a long time. Yeah, yeah I remember the, uh, when I picked up on that the first time wasn't too terribly long ago. And because, I'd be freaking out. Yeah, because it, it, it is. If you're not paying attention to like, because Bernard says at the beginning, you have to come back for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving is your deadline. Mm-hmm. So if you kind of missed that, I could see how you could easily misinterpret that for Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really messed up. Mm-hmm. Majorly. So after Scott's show, these serious signs of mental instability they're just like okay with uh, charlie disappearing with them for a month no they're not okay with it they call the police wasn't it a while after they called the police though no they call um, it right away on thanksgiving mm-hmm. they call it thanksgiving so okay. for a month Sorry. they're missing did how you did they not go to prison for that because he's santa he broke out no but like how did they not continue to follow him is what i'm trying to say like i would think taking a child for an entire month would be a much much bigger deal than it's made out to be in this movie. Exactly. That's why I always forget about it. But but did but did you notice in the police briefing room when the police chief is like, "This is our suspect," and they're joking about won't the big red suit and the beer give him away? Mm-hmm. On their on their map drawn on the wall, they have one of the corner shops labeled Donut Shop. Like that's a landmark for them. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> the only other character I feel like is worth mentioning and he is worth mentioning, is Comet. I love mm-hmm. Comet. And I'm pretty sure, like, Comet's my favorite reindeer, and I never understood why. And I'm pretty sure, thinking back, it's because of this movie. Because yeah. of the relationship he developed with Comet. Yeah. Or is it just because you like reindeer communicating through flatulence? It is not that. <laughs> that grossed although, me out. Although I loved how offended Comet got when Scott was like, whoa, easy Rudolph, and then he growled angrily at him. I'm sorry, Comet. (laughs) (laughs) Fart jokes seem to be a thing for Tim Allen. Because when he was Buzz Lightyear, 
don't know if you saw any of the outtakes on yeah. two. It was and two in the package, in the box, yeah. yeah, at the toy store, right? Al's toy bar. Yep. Definitely was in Home Improvement, so you can fart. thank him for all the fart stuff. Fart jokes uh, is a Home Improvement thing because remember, I'll be home for Christmas. They made that joke. He was in the ca- the kennel with the dog. Yeah, the whole way home. Maybe it's a '90s movie thing. Maybe I don't know. Mm. But besides that, I actually liked the relationship as it developed between Scott and Comet. Mm-hmm. Like, I liked the payoff at the end. Comet gives him a rope for Christmas. Then he's like, is this a case I fall off the roof? Yeah. <laughs> like, I thought it was I very like sweet. It was sweet. Why don't we move into likes, overall likes and dislikes and favorite quotes and everything? Because I'm sure we have a few. I know I do. We do. <laughs> So let's start with you, Julia. So I have a lot of favorite quotes, but this one might be my very favorite because it used to make my dad laugh really hard. So this is a movie that my dad also really liked, which makes it even better. So I like it when Neil is asking Scott what him and Charlie did before they went to bed on Christmas Eve. And Scott sarcastically says, we shared a bowl of sugar, did some shots of brown liquor, played with my shotguns, field dressed a cat. Looked for women. And he's like, I read him a book. And Neil goes, what book? And he's like, uh, Hollywood Wives. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody's so done. And he's like, the night before Christmas, folks, come on now. <laughs> Field dressed a cat is my favorite part of that entire quote. <laughs> Every time it makes me crack up. So funny. What about you, Tom? Oh, I got to pick. I really like Charlie a lot. And I like the way he is so resolved against everyone's questioning of him throughout the entire movie, whether it be Scott or Neil. But when Neil's talking to him and he's trying to rationalize to him, he says, he says, what about Santa's reindeer? Have you ever seen a reindeer fly? Charlie says, yes. Neil's like, well, I haven't. Charlie says, have you ever seen a million dollars? Neil says, no. And he's like, Charlie says, just because you can't see something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> it's such solid logic from a child. It really is. He picks up a lot of Neil's um, sayings and psychiatric quirks throughout. I forget, I, because one of my favorite quotes, and I forget what exactly Charlie says, but Scott is like, where did you hear that? And Charlie's like, from Neil. I learn a lot from him. He listens to me. And Scott's like, yeah, and he charges you. <laughs> Along the same lines, I really like it when they refer to Neil as a doctor. It, it, it's an ongoing going joke with Scott. They'll say he's a doctor. He's not a doctor. He's a psychiatrist. (laughs) Can can I just say, because that reminds me, I like the episode of Friends where Rachel goes into labor and they show up at the hospital and Ross is like, this is Rachel Green. I'm I'm Dr. Ross Geller. And Rachel's like, yes, please. That means something here. (laughs) (laughs) So I like when um, Scott is turning into Santa and he's in that meeting about next year's big Christmas, you know, toys and all of that stuff. And he goes, well, isn't that a pretty picture? Santa rolling down the block in a panzer. Well, kids, I, I certainly hope you've been good this year. Cause it looks like Santa just took out the Pearson home Incoming. <laughs> I love that part. That's so great too. In a panzer. <laughs> just really simple. Uh, One liner was between Scott and Charlie when uh, Santa falls off the roof and uh, Scott's, hey, Charlie, you know how to call 911? Charlie just replies, sure, 911. <laughs> <laughs> why, do, why do you even ask? So I'm going to go with the favorite scene. 
I like when they're up on the roof and he's trying to get Charlie out of the sleigh and he's like, listen, Charlie, I'm not kidding. Let's go. And the reindeer just take that as an indication to take off. And they're flying down the street and pull up beside that truck. And Scott's trying to act all casual. He's like, so if we go straight on this road and I take I-84, and the is <laughs> just staring at him like as if he can't believe what he's saying. I love that. Yeah. And along the similar lines, after they delivered presents at the first house and the reindeer fly immediately next door, Scott looks around and he's like, this is going to be a really long night. <laughs> <laughs> I like it when it's Christmas Eve, Santa or Santa slash Scott shows up at Charlie's house and um, is talking to Charlie. And then Bernard shows up eating the turkey and Neil is standing there. Right. And Bernard peeks into his sweater and he's like, he, what does he say? Nice sweater. Is this one of ours? And he like starts messing around and looking at the label and Neil's like, he's pulling us into his delusions. <laughs> Anything with Neil's sweaters makes me laugh. <laughs> They're all just, he just rags on them and it's just so great. It is pretty great. So you remember when, when uh, Scott is back and he's turning into Santa and he goes to work and he's gained a lot of weight and he tells everybody he was stung by a bee? <laughs> And then uh, he said, did I miss anything? And they, they tell him they're about to order lunch. And he says, great, I'm starving. And he orders, he, he says, he'll have the Caesar, no dressing, one of those homemade cookies, the warm chocolate chip, no nuts, and a slice of cheesecake, uh, creme brulee, and a um, hot fudge sundae, extra hot fudge. And then he just looks and says, on the side? <laughs> makes it healthy. Uh, and then he, he's questioned, of course, uh, by one of the people who looks at him, looks at his belly and just says, Stung by a bee, Scott? And he said, it's a big bee. <laughs> big bee. I, I just want to say about that, his eating habits in this film. So Santa, theoretically, would get milk, milk and cookies at every house he stops at. And yet the elves still install a cookie dispenser on the sleigh. Like, you can't, like, <laughs> you're not getting enough cookies. <laughs> you still need snacks in between houses. I just <laughs> never thought about that. <laughs> Okay, so I like the part at the North Pole where Bernard is like, you know, explaining everything to Scott. He's like, well, ship the list to you. And he's like, what list? You know, the list. <laughs> and then he's like, he's making a list. And Charlie's like, checking it twice. And then the, all the elves chime in. And Bernard just looks so annoyed. Like he hates his life. <laughs> I like where um, Santa's just fallen off the roof and died. And... Charlie and Scott are looking up at the roof and they get on the roof and Charlie goes, these are Santa's reindeer, aren't they? And Scott goes, I hope not. These are a gift probably from the cable company. We're getting the Disney channel now. Merry Christmas. <laughs> that was a fun little tie in. I did see when I was looking up earlier, where we were talking about um, the, the 100 spank me being taken out. That line mm -hmm. is removed from TV as well. Really? Uh huh. How come? I think they removed it out because it's not always shown on a Disney channel. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I like when another one. Okay. So Charlie, again, is, is probably my favorite character in this movie. Uh, at the end, when, when Neil says, Charlie, I'm sorry I didn't believe you. And Charlie said, that's okay, Neil. You were just denying your inner child. <laughs> and then he goes on. And Neil tells him he's going to be a great psychiatrist. And he just says, no, nah, I think I'm going to go to the family business. That's such Which, an Because Neil is part of that family. He is, but it's also really sick to think he's just going to sit around and wait for his dad to croak 
<laughs> he can put on the suit. So, so along those lines, I like in career day when they're talking, he's Charlie's telling the class about what happened Christmas Eve and that's dad Santa. That one little jerk kid is like, so let me get this straight, Santa. When I grow up, if I want to be Santa, all I have to do is push you off the roof. Yeah. Oh, there were some crappy kids in Charlie's school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they, that, that uh, they really handled some of the bullying the wrong way, worrying about Charlie and what he's saying as opposed to dealing with the bully culture. Real disappointed in Charlie's school. Isn't that a theme in Christmas movies? Like, they, uh, Kevin McAllister got punished. Oh, for sure. Max got punished in Krampus. It's always a good kid. They never punish the bad ones. Mm-hmm. Can we mention real quick when Santa falls off and dies? The little glove wave. The wave by? Right before he disappears. <laughs> that always makes me so sad, but it's so sweet at the same time. Just a little womp-womp, like, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> I think that womp womp is exactly what I hear in my head every time he does it. Okay, so another one of my favorite quotes is when they've arrested Scott Calvin and they're trying to get a clear name out of him. So the cop's like, hey, look, I know you're Scott Calvin. You know you're Scott Calvin, so let's make this simple. Say, I say name, you say Scott Calvin. So the detective goes, name? And Scott Calvin goes, Chris Kringle. Name? Sinterklaas. Name? Père Noël, Bobo Natali, Bell's Nickel, Topo Gijo. <laughs> <laughs> My dad will quote that to this day, any time of year. Topo Gijo. I have some interesting trivia about that scene. When he does the Topo Gijo, he's actually imitating Ed Sullivan. Uh, it's not a name for Santa. It's actually the name of a small Italian mouse puppet that appeared on the Ed Sullivan show. Really? Oh, I didn't know any of that. That's interesting. That's so funny. So I'm going to go with another Laura and Scott exchange, and it's toward the end, and Laura finally realizes he's been telling the truth, and she's kind of all teary-eyed, and she's like, it really is you. You're Santa Claus. And he's like, and your parents thought I'd never amount to anything. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, my last one is... Not a quote as much as it is a scene. It's when Scott is at the North Pole for the first time and Judy has brought him those um, PJs to wear. And when he drops the Santa pants and Punch and Judy take a second out of their little routine to be like, ah, and scream when his pants are down, that cracks me up. And he quickly pulls them up like self conscious. Yeah. Yeah, that was on my list too. I love that. Every time. I love speaking of the North Pole. I love when they they come to the North Pole, when they when they land there and they're just kind of sticking out, you know, sticking around waiting, and an elf appears out of nowhere and this pole comes out of the ground. That was just so magical. And the quote, "What is that? Maybe it's the North Pole. That's the North Pole." That'd probably be my reaction to like just that one pole sticking out of the ground. Like that's the North Pole. <laughs> Um, to go back to what you were saying, Julia, you liked uh, Bernard with the sweater at the end with Neil. Mm-hmm. So I liked when he showed up Thanksgiving right before Scott kidnaps Charlie, and he's just sitting at the Thanksgiving table, table like, and he's like, uh, "Boy, this bird is dry." Haven't you people ever heard of basting? As he's like <laughs> stuffing his face full of food. <laughs> and then when he appears at the end, right behind Neil, and Neil jumps, he's like, "Hey, how you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> 
And then I really like the ending too, when oh. Santa and Charlie are flying away, and she's like, "Just a quick one, and not over any ocean, Scott." <laughs> Scott. 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 Santa. <laughs> oh, I loved it. Actually, I have a question. What do you guys feel? How do you guys feel about a green Santa sleigh as opposed to a red one, just in general? Because his sleigh was green. I'm okay with it. I yeah. prefer I prefer red. Green's uh, not my favorite. The only Santa sleigh I've ever been in uh, was green. It didn't bother me. I liked it. It didn't bother me. It's just I prefer red if I had my choice. Yeah. So Santa in a red suit with a red bag and a red sleigh. Yeah. That's a lot of red. Can we talk about Santa's bag for a minute? I like that it levitates him. It brings him down the chimney. And that's basically Mary Poppins magic bag where it's like bottomless and you can pull whatever out of it. Yeah, well, that was neat. it keeps getting replenished. Well, no, no, no I know, but which like, is pretty cool. But it's, when it's still it's, like bottomless, like you can pull out the canoe. It's like something yeah. connected to the room of requirement. There you I go. was about to say it's like um, it's like Hermione's bag when they're traveling and definitely hollows pull yep. stuff out of it. Yeah, the scene where that where he goes down that. I mean, I know what they were doing, where they were going with when he goes down the little bitty uh, metal tube, whatever that's for, on top of the roof, the vent. Mm-hmm. And it creates that uh, uh, fireplace inside. While he looked really hokey coming down, I love the fact that the uh, kettle pop- bounces to go in there. Yeah, uh, I don't know what it is, yeah. but and that scene it creates there is just so. It, it goes back to that everything feels just like Christmas. Everything about it does. Yep, it does. While we're talking the bag, I we we mentioned it before, but I think it's worth mentioning here. This Santa costume is hands down my favorite santa costume it is just unbelievably beautiful in every detail 100 percent. it is it, it, it looks ancient too like it looks like it's been around for centuries mm-hmm. it's, it's no, not the yeah, krampus hat but yeah i agree i loved the way that he looked too when he was finally fully santa oh, his yeah. beard was perfect and, and his hair how it had that slight wave yeah and his cheeks the rosy cheeks and he was just he glowed without looking plastic and oh, just his beard was so great and, and they, they nailed the perfect color of red too one of my pet yep. peeves is santa clauses with the really hokey red suit it has to be the perfect shade and this was the perfect shade of red you mean the, the drunken mall Santa red? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah, a bad red. Um, I know I briefly mentioned it before when, and when we were talking about Comet, but I like the whole running gag like in that month between Thanksgiving and Christmas where they're showing him all these new technologies and he keeps saying, but what happens if I fall off the roof? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then Comet gives him the rope and he's like, from Comet to Santa, did you make the card? This is a nice rope. Is this in case you fall off the roof? Comment, <laughs> this means a lot to me. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> it was so sweet. It was. And then he scratches behind his ears like a dog. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I think I know the answer, but does this film pass the Linus test? For sure. on, on so many levels. Mm-hmm. 100% agree. The only human character who needs, who doesn't need a Linus moment in this is Charlie, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, He's got this so down. But when this came out, you know, I was I was on the cusp of being a teenager, but I still I still like the idea that a kid was needed to show and help all these adults. But every human character in this film needed a Linus moment, um, which was really interesting. And every one of them had it. And um, so this definitely passes that. And our other question, I don't even think we need to go into, is this a Christmas movie? Uh, 
100%. How could it not be? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even the scenes when we're not at Christmas time, like throughout the year. That's what I was about to say. Like, those scenes are still more Christmassy than some, like, than anything. And I'll be home for Christmas besides it. I was going to say the same. When you started to say in some movies, I was going to say, like, I'll be home for Christmas because it was. I mean, this, this is how you do. This is how you do a Christmas movie and make a modern classic right here. Yep. 100% agree. I am really curious to see where we rank the movie. But before we rank the movie, do we have final thoughts on this film? Julia, why don't you go first? I love this movie. It gets me in the spirit immediately. And honestly, I can think of very few things I don't like about it. I can't think of anything I don't like about it. The atmosphere is perfect. It is Christmas embodied and... Hashtag, that's my Santa. I love him. Hashtag, that's my Santa. Yep, me too. We've got to actually start using these hashtags, guys. We're not not using any of them enough. Um, Final thoughts? Great movie. Great movie, and it's one that if it's not part of your Christmas canon, it definitely should be. My final thoughts? This movie is flawless to me. It's as Christmas as they come. If I was going to find any flaws with it, it would be just nitpicking type stuff, like when you're just having fun and purposefully trying to find flaws with it. But I love this movie. It's one of my favorite Christmas movies. Everyone should see this movie. I don't trust anyone who doesn't like this movie. So this movie's awesome. This movie's amazing. <laughs> okay, so, so I've, got to, I've got to tell this story, though. My wife did not like these movies at all for the longest time. Um, oh. She has since come around, but she was not a fan of these when she saw them for the first time as an adult. Well, I'm glad she's come around. How many viewings did it take? Quite a few. It took years. Oh, um, wow. I really, I really think not letting your, not having your kids watch movies like this when they're growing up is probably a reason to engage, um, child protective services. Um, I would, I will not argue with that. I, I feel like my parent, my, my wife's, my in-laws, sorry guys, but y'all should have been reported. Um, <laughs> so we're going to um, use it as a PSA. If you know any kids who are not being shown this movie, please tell someone. Okay. So now... It's time to, as we always do, rank this film and see where it falls on our official Christmas ranking movie list. So, ladies first, Julia, out of 10, what do you give this film? I give this film a 9.95. I give it an 8.75. I give it a 10. So, knew it. (laughs) 9.95. Gives us a 9.566, which takes us, that will put it, I believe, at number two. Oh, thank God. I think it's going to come in. (laughs) This comes in above last week's Muppet Christmas Carol, which was (laughs) (laughs) 9.3. You were sweating it. I can live that. I, I, I I was sweating it. Oh man! I would have had a angry Anthony. Would have had to go on a little rant if it came in. Not that I don't like the love the third. I do, yeah, but no, this is better. Sorry. Well, <laughs> you know, I think, I think one thing we can all agree on: this is better than Santa Slay. I think one thing we can all agree on: the top three. Uh, we're all happy with the top three films on our list so far. Oh yeah, I'm happy with the top, to everything else we've done. I'm happy with the top five, honestly. What are the top five reminder listeners? Coming in at number five, we have Krampus. 
Yes, been, still which was top five. <laughs> which was edged out by Home Home Alone for number four, which was next. We had a Muppet Christmas Carol at number three, preceded by number two, which is now the Santa Claus, and Elf is still in the number one spot. All right. I think that's a very solid top five so far. I feel proud of our top five, to be honest, guys. We've got a good variety there. We've got a nice mix. Me too. Uh, just out of curiosity, just where on the list does what numbers Arthur Christmas at this point? Arthur Christmas is in at number eight. I'll be home for Christmas. <laughs> just need two more, three more. I'll be home for Christmas is number nine, and Santa Slay is number ten. I just need three more films. We're so close to knocking that off the list. This has oh, really become a, go- a goal for you, hasn't it, Anthony? Oh, you have no idea how ecstatic I'm going to be in that inevitable episode. Just so you know, knowing what is very important to you might sway my rating in the future. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing. Everything's getting a 10. Maybe you should not be laying your cards out face up. Oh, but Julia, that will go both ways, but Anthony is giving everything a number one. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention you're punishing the Muppets, which you love by doing that. Oh, no, I would never punish the Muppets. So let's move on to listener comments and reviews and answers to our question of our questions of the week from last week. Why don't we start with the Facebook and Twitter stuff? Julia. Okay. Yeah. So um, we had some really good interactions on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, We asked last week, what do you think of The Nightmare Before, or two weeks ago, what do you think of The Nightmare Before Christmas? Is it a Halloween movie or is it a Christmas movie or is it neither? Uh, We heard from Charlene um, at Forever Char, who's interacted with us quite a bit. Uh, For her, it's both because you need both holidays to tell the story, which I thought was perfect and very simple and absolutely accurate so you do need both holidays to tell the story we also heard from holiday film reviews on the same question um who thought that it was both a halloween and christmas movie so those are the two for the nightmare before christmas question we also asked whether you choose a fake tree or a real tree and Charlene interacted on that as well. She uses a fake tree. She uses an angel, but I used to use an angel to top it, but now a star tops it. And she uses the angel in her dining room table decor now, which I love a repurposed tree topper. Um, additionally, um, Butch Bailey, uh, which is at Butch Bailey RYP, um, commented, I'm a forester. I'll be darned if a fake tree ever finds its way into my home, <laughs> which I really liked that one as a, well. A man after your own heart, Tom. <laughs> I'm sure he has a substantial beard too. I hope so. Or is that? Oh, he does. His picture does. Um, and then um, we also had a comment from at Shane... Uh, Knobber might be might be mispronouncing that. Um, always a real tree. Um, it's always walking around the whole tree farm to find the perfect one, and they have an angel that tops it. Um, that's been in his wife's family, so that's super sweet. And I've never had a real tree, but I I do feel like walking around to find one would be just a really big part of the joy in having a real tree. Um, at old man, 1990, Josh Yoder, um, replied that he loves the real trees, but they have to do artificial because he's in an apartment building that allows only that and always a star on top, multicolored lights, never clear lights. (laughs) 
<laughs> you don't you don't agree, Tom? Um, I grew up with the multicolored lights. Um, you know, the old school ones. Um, mm-hmm. and ever since I've been on to do my own tree, we've always done clear lights. I've always grown up, I grew up with white lights, clear lights, um, except for the Disney tree my parents had. They put colored lights on that. Now with my tree, it has both. You have both, don't you, there? Yep. I think I they complement like each other. For, mm-hmm. for our listeners, I like, the, I like both. That looks really nice. For our listeners, you can't see, but uh, as Julia stated earlier, Anthony's background of his apartment looks like a Hallmark movie. It does. It's so beautiful. Thank you, guys. So we also heard from a few people on Facebook. Um, I think the others were Twitter. So some of the Facebook comments, Rachel Poole, who's interacted with us before, mentioned that specifically regarding the Nightmare Before Christmas questions. She knows fans watch it in between seasons to get a double holiday fix, but for her, the Nightmare Before Christmas is clearly weighted towards Halloween. Um, It doesn't pass the Linus test or give warm fuzzies, but she still enjoys it for what it is. And then she used a little pumpkin emoji. So I had commented and replied to her that I totally agree. Um, And we also saw some very exciting stuff from from Stacy McKenzie on Facebook that um, she's getting her Christmas stuff up and going, which she told us a few months ago or a few episodes ago that she likes to decorate early as well. So she has some beautiful decorations up and she's clearly excited about it. She put in, so it begins in 54 days at the time she posted it. And she also loves everlasting trees. She puts up a fresh noble. So here's the one I'm maybe most excited about. Uh, Casey Mott, we had last week, um, Parkbound Buttons. We had prompted her, if you listen to the episode, to go ahead and take a listen to Christmas and Hollis as well and give us her opinion on that. And she commented, thanks for having me. Now that I've listened to Christmas and Hollis, I am concerned with Santa carrying around so much cash in his wallet. Anthony replied, that's a valid concern, but it's not a bad song, right? Huh? 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 Casey said, haha, I liked it. It got me in the Christmas spirit. Thank you, Casey. So, Casey's Finally, a cool kid. Somebody with sense. <laughs> I think closer to Christmas, we should redo the, uh, I think we should redo the poll. That's a good idea. I am okay with that. I am confident that last time was an anom- anomaly. <laughs> We had one last Facebook comment, and that was from Charlene um, at Forever Char, who mentioned when we asked before filming this episode about if anybody likes Santa Claus and what do you think about it. She commented, I like this movie. It's funny and gives me the Christmassy feels I like. Well, I hope you were happy with this episode then, Charlene. Okay, we also got some Reddit interaction this week. Tom, do you want to go through that stuff? I will. So on Nightmare Before Christmas on our Reddit subreddit channel, which, by the way, if you need to get to it is reddit.com slash r slash tis the podcast uh disco 54 said i was surprised to see i was surprised you voted this so low there's lots to like about this film even though it's not a conventional christmas film i really like this movie and all its kookiness but it's danny elfman's score that holds it all together his music has a real has a real likeness to it you feel like it's all around you and as though you could pluck the notes out of the air listen to it on headphones and you walk a little quicker, it's like magic. Also, you can see the line from Beetlejuice to here in the way it looks. Tim Burton definitely has his hands in it. I like the movie a lot, so I, I can agree with everything that, that you said there, Disco. 
Um, on the Santa Claus, we had Dave Mello 84 say, get ready, I'm coming in hot. Next week, you have to discuss the quote, seeing is, isn't believing, believing is seeing. It doesn't make any sense. It's trying too hard to become deep or, and, or iconic. It completely ignores all logic. It's truly meaningless. I couldn't disagree more, Dave Mello. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we shined a little light into why we like this. Uh, that Revit guy and talking about Christmas tree tradition says that he grew up with a fake tree and carried that tradition on when he was, when he got married. Interestingly, his wife's family has always and continues to get a real tree each year. They used to have the kind uh, where you have to put individual branches into each slot in each row. That's what I have. Hello, scratched arms and have since gotten uh, one where the branches just swivel into place. Our fake one does that. We've had the one where you click each one in. I definitely like the swivel. <laughs> Um, they don't technically need a new one yet, but some of the fake trees have gotten much more realistic, non-paper needles and look amazing. Regarding the Santa Claus, he remembers it being one of the first Christmas movies that really aligned with his age at the time. He was nine when it came out, and he thinks getting in at the ground floor has a really interesting effect on someone's perspective when they consider a film later on. Uh, there's that added nostalgia factor that makes you associate it more than just the story it tells. Which still, has, which still was fantastic in his opinion. He can literally think back to watching the film on TV in his childhood home with the fire in the fireplace and the house decorated for Christmas. As for the actual film, he loved how they built in realistic explanations for Santa's magic. They rose such a clack ladder company. Awesome. Oh, how, I miss the, oh, how he misses the 90s. We didn't mention that, but that was a really funny pun that made me laugh a lot. It was. Yeah. He walked into that ladder hard, though. Oh, he did. <laughs> <laughs> it, it looks like that may have been an accident. I don't know if it was or not, but man, he actually hit it. Yeah. Disco 54 tells us that uh, his biggest tree tradition they have in their house is the traditional maypole dance around it as we desperately try to arrange the lights on the thing without getting bound up in the cables like it's devil's snare. And Oh, he said ha in our faces because he got his own Harry Potter reference in. Well done. <laughs> Good job, Disco 54. That in the absolute age... Uh, that in the absolute age it takes to put anything on it as they take every ornament out and exclaim over it with a nostalgic, oh, <laughs> oh, I love that. I do too. <laughs> and every year it seems like it takes longer and longer to get the trees decorated. Um, mm -hmm. my, my wife and I have this, I don't know how it's going to work this year because I'm sure a daughter's going to want to be involved, but we have this whole way we, we've, we, over our 14 years of Christmas or 14 Christmases we spent together, we've learned how to, how to throw the lights around the tree and and we've gotten that down really well i recommend throwing it around the back it works nice that's how me and sarah do it throwing yep nice special jumbo had a few responses to our uh discussions from La from reddit he said the night before christmas is 100 percent a christmas movie the movie takes place right after halloween ends through christmas day jack's character arc is one that is is not one that is unfamiliar to holiday movies. He begins the movie being unmotivated, disassociated with his role in life. By the end, through the power of the Christmas spirit, he finds his motivation to be a better skeleton and pumpkin king. Jack's vision of Christmas is perverse, as seen by the way he celebrates this holiday, which means the way he carries out the spirit of the holiday through the year is too. At the end, he becomes a better pumpkin king to the people following town, like Scrooge becomes a better member of his community. Huh. See, somebody else agrees with me that it passes the Linus test. I agreed with you on the air. I know, I'm just giving Julia a hard time. She said no. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> That's still? okay, though. Okay. Um, oh, no, and, I still don't. 
at Special <laughs> Jumbo's house. They each they have one of each. The real one is for the family to decorate together, and the fake one is for the children to decorate any way they want. We they put a star on both trees. The family tree initially started off with a set of stock ornaments, but those have been replaced with ornaments that are related to events and memories. The children's tree is a little more unique because it gets decorated with pictures, colored by the kids, toys, silly string, anything they will hang. That's really cool. Oh, that's really, that's really cool. I love that idea. He did not, is not a fan of the Santa Claus. He says he didn't see it when he was younger. He tried to watch it uh, when it came on a couple years back. He turned it off after Santa died because that is awful. He looks forward to our review to see if it is worth a watch, though. Uh, 100% worth a watch. It's worth the watch. You should definitely watch yeah. it. Like I said, my wife didn't like it at first either. Just, just get like three minutes past Santa dying and it becomes a cheerful movie again. And it's even... all up from there. <laughs> it is, it's, it's all on the upswing. And, uh, you know, the, the, the glove, glove wave, I think, is a way to make us laugh during the time of tragedy. Yeah. But as we pointed out throughout this uh, episode, Special Jumbo, there is a distinct lack of empathy for Santa and a lack of mourning at the North Pole, which does seem a little odd. All right, and Disco54 is our last comment from the subreddit about this movie. He says he loves the Santa Claus. It's part of the crop of 90s feel-good Christmas movies that include Miracle on 34th Street and Home Alone that filled you with the spirit. Tim Allen is a great Santa, not too far removed from Home Improvement, cracking some great sarcastic one-liners, but with enough warmth and heart to make him feel like an ordinary person dealing with an extraordinary circumstance. Uh, and also bonus for spotting the elves scattered throughout the film. Absolutely. The 90s Christmas movies were pretty great. What was the last really critically, like, critically acclaimed, long-lasting Christmas movie to be released in theaters? Because I know Christmas movies come out all the time, but a lot of them, I want them not that they're bad, that, but they're not, like, nowhere near this type of level. The Polar Express. Mm, oh, no. That was after Elf, right? Yeah, I think I think Elf was the last, the, the biggest last one we've seen, wasn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. you're probably right. To that, that was 2003, right? Yeah, that. that yeah, could... nothing has moved me the way that has. I mean, as I look through the movies that have come out since then, you um, you did have uh, love, like Love Actually is a Christmas movie, The Holiday. Uh, love Actually is pretty iconic, even if it's not necessarily up to that level for us personally. But it's not. It, it doesn't hit that level of of Christmasiness. I'm trying to think of even other good ones that have come out. Four Christmases was good. Joyous Noel, but that's a completely different ballgame. Christmas with the Cranks, no. I don't know. I can't think of any movies uh, that in the last, you know, 15 years that have hit the hit the high points that Elf has. Well, not 14 years since Elf came out. I just can't think of any that, that hit that high. Unfortunately, I don't see anything this year that's going to change that either. Okay, so nor- I know iTunes normally goes first. There's a reason I saved it for last this time, and that's because we're also announcing our giveaway winner tonight in a few Yay. minutes so i wanted to make sure like these fresh reviews and names of people being entered into the contest were fresh on our minds so in the interest of full transparency we do read every review we get positive or negative we have up until this point not gotten any negative reviews until recently let's start with that one first and it's a review titled disappointed by spence 68 they still gave us three out of five stars, but the content, the content of the review itself is kind of not that great. So he wrote, I've listened to all the shows, and while a few have been good, most have been so-so. But this is just my opinion, and I'm sure it's not the opinion of most listeners. 
I say this mostly because reviews of movies drag on, and when it isn't a movie I would ever watch, it leaves me like I've wasted my time listening. But the, in the last episode, they took it political. Not greatly, but slightly. I don't care about their politics and whether they like Trump or not. That's not why I tuned into the show. It's about Christmas, and so the show should stay on topic. Maybe in the future I'll give the show another try, but for now, they lost this listener. So, Spence68, firstly, thank you for writing in. We appreciate any review and feedback we get, positive or negative, because they all help us improve on our show. I did just want to say we do try not to get political. Uh, Sometimes it's hard because I have a great interest in politics, and I know Tom does too, and... Tom and Julie both have poli-sci degrees, and so it's an interest of ours, you know. But we try to edit all that stuff out as much as we can, uh, but every now and then it may slip in. Well, and when you're, when you're dealing with a movie like Scrooge, or like A, a Christmas Carol, um, where it really does have relevance, um, it's a little hard to take it out. I mean, it's not a relevance that we saw or that comes, you know, from us. This is, um, there's a lot of conversation about this happening, and for us to be genuine to the conversation we're having um, about Christmas movies, it really, it really was relevant. We're sorry that it offended you. Exactly. And, you know, go, we will take that note into account going forward. As for straying off topic sometimes, that happens when three friends are talking. We try to stick on topic, but sometimes we don't, but we feel it adds to the conversation. We, I think a large part of why our, we have such great chemistry and why the show works out so well is because we let the conversation flow naturally and we do all get along. And sometimes that means letting the conversation go where it will. We do edit out a lot of off-topic stuff. So the stuff that does make each episode is the bare minimum. We just feel like we can't strike it out entirely if we want to be genuine to ourselves in the show. So, Guys, seriously, these episodes are, are at least two or three times as long before we start editing them. We spend a lot of, <laughs> a lot of time rambling together. We, we hope we, you know, you, you said you, uh, you wrote that we've lost you as a listener. We hope you eventually find your way back to us if you're not listening to this. Your name will still go into the drawing <laughs> we're about to randomly pull from for our giveaway in a few minutes. So hopefully if you're drawn, you listen so we can get in touch with you about how to get you your prize. Okay, so we got a few other reviews. Now, I just want to preface this by saying a lot of these reviews are actually older, but iTunes is really weird. They won't show all the international reviews on the American page. So I had to go to each international country individually to pull them. I think I got them all. I can't obviously search every country on earth, but I went by our stats and I think I got I think I managed to pull them all. So let me just run through these really quick and then we'll announce the winner of our giveaway. So we got a five-star review entitled Love It by NickVic26. Love this podcast. I am a Christmas junkie and Christmas movies are my favorite part of the season. This includes Die Hard, which is 100% a Christmas movie. Yes! <laughs> I hope you were happy with that episode. Listening to this podcast is like chilling with friends who also love Christmas. They are laid back and mellow and easy to listen to. I recommend this podcast to anyone looking for Christmas fix and anyone who loves to talk about movies. It's a blast and I look forward to a new episode. Thank you, NickFix26. We appreciate it. We got another five-star review entitled, This Podcast is Not Just for Christmas by Rebecca B 8975 I signed up for the podcast as one of my friends is a host of the show. Hi, Rebecca. But I found that it was everything I love in a podcast. Witty, interesting, and with great chemistry between the hosts. Even my family who aren't into Christmas enjoy the podcast with movie trivia and general conversation. It's so much fun to watch the movies beforehand so you know what's 
happening, but the handy movie summaries mean you don't have to. Pass me the cocoa and light the fire. Tis the podcast is here to stay. Thank you, Rebecca. That was fun. That one just makes me really happy. Yeah. yeah, that's okay. Some of these bring a big smile to my face. I'm not going to lie when we when I read them. We got another five-star review entitled Great Podcast by Person55573563. I hope that's not a phone number or anything. I just started listening a few days ago, and I'm so glad I came across this podcast. Thank you, Person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Person. <laughs> We got another five-star review entitled Wonderful by Big Dave Uga. What better way to spread Christmas cheer other than singing loud for all to hear, of course, than listening to like-minded individuals talk about Christmas movies. As self-proclaimed Christmas file, stumbling across this podcast on Our Christmas was truly like getting an early Christmas present. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Big Dave Uga. And then our final one, five-star review entitled My New Addiction by Rachel Joy One, who is a frequent commenter on Facebook, Twitter. Um, she wrote, just a few episodes in, and it feels like sharing a glass of wine with old friends after dinner. If you're already Christmas crazy, these guys might take your love of the holidays to a whole new level. So thanks, Rachel. So sweet. So if you've been listening to us consistently the past few weeks, you know we've been, in the, we've been doing a uh, promotional giveaway um, in order to entice you all to rate and review us on iTunes and Facebook. So thank you to all of you who did and thank you to everyone who has shared our podcast wherever it may be reddit on your personal facebook pages etc it really means a lot to us and it all really helps so the promotional giveaway has come to an end and now we're ready to announce who wins our pop funko cousin eddie from national lampoon's christmas vacation action figure so the winner of our promotional giveaway is rachel joy one Yay, Rachel. So, hey, con- Rachel Joy won one. Rachel Joy won one. <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations, Rachel. Um, we know you're a very active listener and interact a lot with us. So We got a screenshot of this so everybody can see how the uh, how random.org pulled it with the timestamp and everything. So I think we should share that too because it's just kind of fun to see. And everybody knows they were entered. Right. So congratulations, Rachel. We'll reach out and see if we can get your shipping address. So for those of you, everyone who entered, once again, thank you for all your support. Uh, We will be having another giveaway at some point in the future, probably sooner rather than later. So be on the lookout for details about that. So just so you know, listeners, Julia and I, both from Houston, both Astros fans, um, gave up watching the Game 7 of the World Series to record this tonight. So we'd have an episode for you on Monday. That's how much we love you. But now it's time for a little celebration. Ah, Astros win! Astros win! Woo, woo, woo! <laughs> so excited. <laughs> I really never thought I would see this day, and I'm not... I really... No, I didn't either. <laughs> I thought I would die with terrible Astro seasons that you just continue to go to because you love the city and you love the team. I'm excited for Houston. So Tom or Julia, do you want to talk about Patreon real quick? Yeah, so we have a Patreon setup which um, is just an online service where you can donate money to podcasts like this. Um, Money that we can use to further increase the quality of our podcast and and buy some promotional materials and stuff like that. And we have different levels of patronage, so to speak. Um, Everything from you know, really small and stickers working up to hopefully uh, we're going to set up where you can be um, 
guest host at different levels. Um, well, right now we have a special episode up on Patreon where if you donate as little as a dollar a month, where if you donate as little as a dollar a month, you get access to a special episode that we recorded on Hocus Pocus. So please do. It's a super fun episode and we are, um, and we do Always plan on probably so. doing at least, trying to do at least one bonus episode per month, I'd say. Oh, yeah. I think so. We're always looking for ways to improve the podcast for y'all. So that's one way we can do it. So thanks, guys. Check it out. And if you don't feel inclined to donate to us, our regular podcast will still be free and still hit your news feed, your feed every Monday morning in time for your morning commute. So there's that. So... Tom, do you want to announce next week's movie that we plan on doing? Next week, we'll be watching the 1985 Christmas movie, One Magic Christmas. I don't know that I've seen this movie in its entirety. I think I've only seen part of it on TV once. Well, it should be an experience because I haven't seen this movie in years, so it'll be interesting to all watch with semi-fresh eyes. Moving on to our question of the week. Easy question, but I find it varies more than I thought it would, especially in international territories. But what do you leave after Santa Claus on Christmas Eve as a snack? And do you also leave out anything for the reindeer? And if so, what? So we always, if we happen to time things right and bake cookies close to Christmas, we will leave out cookies we've made and Oreos. We always leave out Oreos. And we leave out a glass of milk. Um, and then we leave carrots for the reindeer. The little, yeah. Yeah, the little baby ones. Growing up, we always left um, cookies out for Santa. I have not done that uh, as an adult. I think we'll do that for the first time this year with our daughter. Let her make some Christmas cookies and leave them out along with some, apparently we need uh, lactose-free milk. <laughs> And as a kid, I did, I was very insistent that we leave out snacks for the reindeer and we would leave out carrots or celery or something out for them. My neighbor across the street when I was a kid, uh, his family left out a bowl of water one year. And in the morning, he came over to my house to get me because the bowl of water had turned red. <gasps> wow. Rudolph, did they bleed into it? <laughs> Rudolph got some water. And apparently, the if you saw the water, you would even say it glows. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> It's awesome. We always left out milk and cookies. Yeah, simple as. We left out carrots or the reindeer. I always found it funny in retrospect that there would sometimes be like little half nibbled carrots on the plate. Like, why would Santa bring down half of an eaten carrot? <laughs> take a bite. Take a bite, reindeer. Okay, here you go. Leave this for the kids. <laughs> but yeah, we always had to leave out carrots of the reindeer. And me and my sister would always like uh, leave drawings for Santa, like mm-hmm. that we did next to the milk and cookies for him to take home with him. Put on my his kids do that too. Oh, yeah. that's so sweet. I we want to know, especially from people in international territories, what you leave out for Santa or did as a children or what your children currently do. But on that note, I think that's pretty much it, Julia. How many days are left until Christmas? Only 49 days until Christmas. Under 50, guys. It's so close. I'm so excited. It's like a month and I'm, a half. I know it's crazy. I'm getting my stuff up next weekend me too i'm gonna work on it when i'm back in town Uh, in the next week or two we will share all of our uh christmas pictures with you guys so you can see what our christmas houses look like uh, what our houses look like at christmas and you should send us some as well why did santa get a parking ticket last christmas eve why he was making a special delivery and left his sleigh in a snow parking zone oh